Well, I'm Marcy Miller. I'm the Minister of Spiritual Formation here at OMCC. If I haven't met you, I hope I get to meet you after church. Please come by and say hi. I'd like to meet you. For those of you that I have met, I'm so glad to see your faces. I'm glad to be here with you guys this morning. We're going to go back to Dallas tonight. It's going to be 75. So I'm going to put on my shorts tomorrow. Yes. So... Anyway, but this has been, it's been fun to get our New York coats, that's what we call it, our New York coats out and put them on to come up to New York. So um, we've had a good time this weekend. If I've gotten to see you, thanks for spending time with me. We have one really major announcement today that I want to talk to you about, and actually my sermon has a lot to do with this. So we are going to take um, our church and pick up and shift to Long Island uh, the weekend of 3 to 5 February for the All Church Retreat. Yeah, woo, that's right, whoop it up. If you haven't been on an old church retreat before, I really encourage you to think about it for two reasons. Well, there's a lot of reasons, but for two reasons. It really gives us time to study together and really spend time together. It also really gives you a chance to get to know the people in this church and really get some connection, um, which is so fun, right? Instead of sort of wondering, should I talk to that person as they're walking out the door after church or should I grab them, right? This way we can sit and have meals together and we can study together and, and we get to play together and it's really fun. We have a good time. So the all church retreat is three to five. February in Garden City, Long Island. Um, all the details are on our website, and Sam's put them on all of our social media, and so they're out there. But if you have questions, please let me know, and I'd be happy to answer those for you. But we really hope you guys can come. The next few weeks are going to be in preparation for that. So if you're here in church and you're thinking, they keep connecting this to this weekend. Well, we're really going to connect to that, that weekend and get prepared for that. So I really hope you all can come. Let me pray real quick, and then we're going to go into our sermon. Lord, thank you for this time together. We're so grateful to all be back here on this lovely winter day in New York City. Grateful for those people who are new to our church this morning that haven't come in before. You, you've walked them in the doors for some reason, and we just ask that they meet you here, um, that, they, that they feel your presence here. We ask that you anoint the words this morning, that they would come from you and not me, um, that we would really spend time together in your word, absorbing it and hearing your voice in a new way. We ask all this in your son's name. Amen. So this morning, we're going to talk about renewing our mindset, because I'm going to ask you to do that for the next few weeks as we get ready for the retreat, and then we're going to ask you to do that beyond the retreat. So we're going we're gonna to start some study that's going to take us all the way to May, um, which is exciting, because as we get all the way to May, you, have, you will sit down and realize how much of the Bible you have read by the time we get to the end of May, and how much of it you've absorbed. But one of the things that, that I was praying about as I was preparing for this and just thinking about how we're going to study this next few months, and we're going to really spend some time in the Old Testament, we're going to spend some time in the New Testament, we're going to thread those together for you so that we see the, the purpose of both. I've had a lot of people tell me, I really like the New Testament. I only want to stay in there. Well, here's the problem. Jesus never read the New Testament, right? Jesus read the Old Testament. And so we really need to understand what Jesus was preaching from, what his mission was from, and where his mindset that was, what had he been taught? Then we get to see what he did in the New Testament, which is incredibly important. But we're going to run that thread together for the next few months to make sure that we understand that full arc. So we're going to talk about who Jesus was expected to be in the Old Testament. What were they waiting for? Who were they expecting? What was promised to them? Then we're going to talk about who he became in the New Testament. And then we're going to ask you to consider who he is to you. But I need you to start that last question now, and we're going to run that through the next few months. Who is Jesus to you? Who do you say he is? What is your relationship with him? So we're going to talk about that. 
in the prep for this, as I was praying and thinking about what Jesus or what God wanted us to talk about in reference to Jesus, God said, we have to get in a mindset to receive. And so don't just plow in without setting a stage. And so one of the the best places in the Bible to see stage setting is Paul. He was so good to set the stage for the churches that he started, right? For the different places that he visited. And he went on these missionary journeys as we saw in the book of Acts. And we read that a few months ago. We saw where he visited and he set the stage for these churches to really start to know Jesus and really start to follow him. And we need to go back to some of his words for this. So we're gonna talk about Philippians this week and next week. I encourage you to go home and read it. It's four chapters. It won't take you that long, but I encourage you to read it. This week, I'm gonna talk to you about mindset and the attitude of Christ. And next week, Jasmine's gonna close us on the last two chapters of Philippians. And I encourage you to read the book for yourself. It's full of wisdom. Some biblical scholars say it's the most encouraging book Paul ever wrote. Um, and it's just, got, it's just full of wisdom, full of power. And I want us to be able to absorb that um, for ourselves. It's the sh- one of the shortest epistles Paul wrote, but one of his most encouraging. He wrote it after he had visited Philippi on his second missionary journey. We see that in Acts 16, if you want to go back and connect that up for yourselves. And then we see his book back to them. But at this point, he's in prison. So I'm going to ask you to do something for me real quick this morning. As you sit here and think about your circumstance... And what blocks you from being able to receive from God, I want you to think about where the person was who wrote these words to us. He was sitting in prison. I just want that to soak in for a second. It wasn't a nice prison. He was sitting in prison under the Roman Empire, right? Mainly to silence him. The main reason that they had put him there was to silence him. And so he's writing back to the church at Philippi to encourage them. He's communicating with them. Now, we don't get to see the, the communication from the Philippians to him, but we get to see his book back to them. And we know the Philippians loved Paul. They sent, they sent people a very far distance to make sure that they supported him and they, gave, and they made sure he was financially supported and they spent time with him. So we know they had this really close relationship. Um, but we get to see Paul's words to them which is really exciting. He's telling the Philippians that they have to adopt a certain mindset. They understand Jesus. They understand who he is. They have been waiting for him. Paul has been there and he's taught them and they understand the person of Jesus. But Paul's saying, there's a whole nother portion to this that I need you to understand. I need you to come in and and redo your mindset so you can receive more. He's saying, do you know who Jesus really is? Can you open that lens fully? And the Philippians had done such a good job of walking into this faith, but there was still a lot of, of, um, ob, uh, you know, of, of obstinance to that. There were still a lot of opponents to that. There was still a lot going on with them. They were not living in a world where Jesus was accepted. He was not, it was not something that people were, were wanting to hear about. And it was funny, this morning, I was sitting here preparing. I always sit and listen to the worship team before I prepare and um, I said, you, you have no idea how talented, well, you probably do know how talented this worship team is, but I said, I really need to hear some Bon Jovi to get myself set to preach. Don't judge me. I am, I'm old and I like some Bon Jovi. And so I said, I wonder if you guys can just play Living on a Prayer. Uh, you have no idea how talented these people are. And this team, within two seconds, starts playing some Bon Jovi for me. But the interesting part was, as Alex Taylor was screaming out, you're halfway there. 
You're living on a prayer. I was like, that's what Paul was telling the Philippians. You're almost there. We have a little bit more. We got to stretch. We got to come in a little bit more, right? And so the Holy Spirit brought, came into the room through Bon Jovi this morning. I'm just letting you know that in case that's, that's something that you need to have in the back of your mind as we talk about this. But listen, you're filtering your relationship with Jesus through your own filters, your own mindset, right? We all have a mindset. If I went to every one of you in here today and said, what, what is your mindset about Jesus? It's all different because you're filtering it through what, what your filters are, right? My filters are single mom, prior military officer. That's just the way it is. I can try to filter it as something else. It's not going to happen, right? That's the way that God talks to me. And that's the filters that I have in place because that's my life. So what does that make Jesus to me? Promises are still there. All the things that are, are sacred about him are still there. But the way I filter those is different. And what Paul was saying is, if you're not careful about that, if you don't look at the divine filter, you're going to miss something. And something in your own filter is going to block you. Right? And so what he's telling them there in, in his letter to them is we have to clear the mechanism. Has anybody ever seen that movie, Field of Dreams? Not Field of Dreams. Um, love, the, love of the Game. It's, I'm getting my Kevin Costner movies uh, mixed up. He's on the field and he's a pitcher. I'm showing my age again. I showed my age with Bon Jovi and now I'm showing my age with this movie. But, and he stands on the field at the pitching mound and he literally says that. Clear the mechanism. And everything goes quiet. And everything blurs out. So he can focus on exactly what he needs to focus on, right? Paul was telling the Philippians, you have to clear the mechanism so that you can clearly see who Jesus is, so you can clearly absorb him. So we're going to talk about how to do that. Paul shows him how to adopt the truth first, and we're going to read this here in a minute. He shows him how to adopt the truth first and then filter everything through the truth. What do we do? We get the circumstance and filter everything through that. And then we come to our own truth. Oftentimes, it's separated from what Jesus' truth is. Not by malicious intent by anybody, but because you are a human being, and that's what your brain does. You take the circumstance, you filter it, right? And then you come back to Jesus' truth and try to see how you're going to fit that in. How do I, how do I let, get that up against that? Oftentimes, it doesn't work, and you miss something. Paul's telling them, you got to find the truth first. got to hold on to it. you got to absorb it. Then filter everything through that. So let's talk about what he said in Philippians. And I'm going to read it to you. We're going to read chapter 2, verse 1 through 5. Now, I would ask you guys to go back and read the whole book. It's only four chapters, and I'd love to be able to just preach the whole thing, but we can't do that. But I want to focus for a few minutes on chapter 2, um, verse 1 through 5. And I'm going, to, I'm going to read it out of my Bible, but they have it up on the screen there. So it says, Is there any encouragement from belonging to Christ? any comfort from his love, any fellowship together with the Spirit, are your hearts tender and compassionate? Then make me truly happy by agreeing wholeheartedly with each other, loving one another, and working together with one mind and purpose. I want you to take the, the portion of, of the beginning of that where it says, is there any encouragement, any comfort? If we look at some of the translations, it says, since there is, because there is, right? So I want you to say, yes. It's not is, yes, right? There is comfort in, in this idea of Jesus' love. There is fellowship in the spirit. There is a, a need for our hearts to be tender and compassionate. Paul is saying, you can't be lukewarm. 
You can't play at this. You can't dip your toe in sometimes and try to get a little truth because it'll help with the circumstance and then walk back out of that truth and try to operate your life. And the reason he's telling them that is not because he wants to drop the hammer on them and be in charge and have them do what he says. He's telling them that because they are gonna miss it from Jesus. They're gonna miss all the benefit that Jesus brings them by not doing that, right? By not understanding the truth. He's talking about having the attitude of Christ. This is kind of the first fold we're going to talk about. We're going to talk about three, but the first fold of this is the attitude of Christ. Where is your mind focused? What are you feeding your soul? And what are you feeding other people's souls through your actions and your interactions with them? Are you feeding them the love and compassion of Christ? Are you feeding them the Holy Spirit and the love that he, that he has for them and the joy that comes from that? Are you feeding them the comfort from Jesus' love? Are you fellowshipping in the Spirit? How often do you spend time with somebody and think to yourself, I want to fellowship in the Spirit? Some of y'all say that because some of you say it to me and I'm so impressed by you when you do that. But, but how often do we go into an interaction saying, I'm going to fellowship in the Spirit with you, which means I have the attitude of Christ. Jesus never went into every, any interaction without consulting the Holy Spirit and bringing him with him every time. He never was reckless about that. You can see that there's a reckless quality to coming into community with someone without the Holy Spirit being in that with you because you're not capable of what that person might need. But you can be a conduit for what Jesus has for them if you'll adopt this attitude of Christ. So what Paul was telling the Philippians there was, I need you to adopt the attitude of Christ. I need you to look at everybody through my love. I need you to look at everybody through my compassion and my mercy. I need you to bring them to the Holy Spirit. Don't bring them to you. Bring them to the Holy Spirit. That's what they need. You can be a conduit for that. But are you looking at the people around you? Are you looking at your own mindset and saying, I'm gonna adopt the attitude of Christ? Are you talking to yourself in your inner voice from the Holy Spirit? Do you think to yourself, I am speaking into myself and I am doing it from the Holy Spirit. I am bringing him into that conversation. Because if you're not, guess who's talking to you? Right? The devil's talking to you. Don't be confused. Somebody's running that conversation. And that's what Paul was telling the Philippians is it's so easy to not be able to make the distinction. But if I have the attitude of Christ and I get into that mindset, I'm careful. I'm guarded. He's encouraging them in this book, but he's also telling them to be careful. Pay attention. Somebody's after you. Well, two people. Jesus is after you, thank God. But the devil's after you too. And the last thing he wants is for you to enter your life every day with the attitude of Christ. Right? That's the last thing he wants. What happens then? You bring power and joy and compassion and love. And you bring the attitude of Christ to everything you do and the devil loses every time and he doesn't want that. We have to be careful. We have to guard it, right? We have to think about what am I feeding my soul and what am I feeding other people's souls? I call it an attitude adjustment. I often call Kara Marriott, poor Kara Marriott, and I say, here's what's going on. And she'll say, all right, what do we need to do? I just need an attitude adjustment. That's all I need. It's me, there isn't anything else that needs to go on, right? We're always looking for the solution. Just adjust your own attitude. And she's so good to say, oh, uh, yeah, you do. You need somebody in your life who'll just look in the eye and be like, you're stuck right now. Get it together, right? Get it together. Get your attitude adjusted. 
Because it's detrimental to you and to everybody that you're in community with when we don't have the attitude of Christ, when we don't have that mindset. We gotta think about that. When, you, when you're in those places, where's the first place you go? to get an attitude adjustment. Paul's telling them, go to the comfort of Jesus, go to the compassion of Jesus, soak in it and then show it. And your attitude gets adjusted without a whole lot of effort on your part, to be really honest. If you'll just go there, you'll get all of that, right? Let's go to the second part of that chapter. He's talking, he's giving them a statement about Jesus. Some scholars, if you look this up, will tell you that this is one of the most profound statements about who Jesus was. So I want you to think about that as I read it. Because as I was preparing this, I kept reading. This is one of the most profound statements about Jesus. I was like, okay, I gotta, right? I gotta like get in the place. Maybe I need to go to some holy ground to read this, right? I was kind of freaked out by that. It's one of the most profound statements, but it's all about commanding us to what we're supposed to do. So let's look at at verse six there. It says, though he was God, he did not think of himself equally with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. When he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on the cross. He emptied himself He died to self, right? We have got to get out of the I, me, my. He died to self. Jesus became a servant, right? The the person in the whole world that you don't think needs to become a servant, he's God. He emptied it all and he became a servant. How do we humble ourselves? How do we die to self, One of our true enemies is the devil, but one of our true enemies is self, right? When we get in that loop of I, me, my, and I can't access the comfort and love of God because I have to die to myself, right? Jesus emptied himself out. How often do we sit and say, man, I need to empty out all this junk that the world gives me, that I do to myself, right? I've told you guys a million times, if you had somebody in your life that talks to you the way that you talk to you about yourself, you would get a restraining order. No way would you let that person hang out with you, but you let that tape run in your head constantly. I, me, my, what is going on with me? What is happening to me? Why is this happening? What is going on? Listen, I'm not making light of the struggles. Paul doesn't make light of the struggles. Dude is in prison, He's not making light of the hardships of your life. He's saying, if you will get the truth and stand on it and humble yourselves to it, you can filter the hard through it. And then we can come out on the other side of it. And Jesus will have been in it the whole time, right? I don't know about you guys, but I don't want to come out on the other side of a hardship and Jesus was nowhere around because I don't want the result of that. And oh, by the way, that result is going to pour out onto anybody who's around you. We got to be mindful of that with each other. What am I doing to get myself sucked up close to Jesus? And what am I doing to make sure it leaks out on you? I have responsibility. You have responsibility. You are part of the kingdom of God. You have responsibility to humble yourself and come to God empty and say, you fill me up so then I can give, right? Paul tells us about this mindset because mindset is the crux of joy or the problem, Right? That's what Paul's telling them. It can be the crux of your joy and your comfort and your understanding, or it can be the problem. We have to look at it. We have to look at where our mindset sits. We have to wash our minds anew in the word of God. Meaning that when you're reading the word of God, do we understand where it came from? Who gave us that? He's not our peer. 
He's not our personal assistant, right, to, to ask for something every once in a while. He is the most high, holy God who gave you his word, gave you his promises, gave you his blessings. What more do you need than to absorb that and get that in your heart and walk through your life with that? He also told you there'd be suffering. Paul tells us that in the book of Philippians, and there will be. But he tells you you can't do one without the other. And what we do is suffer without the comfort and joy of Jesus because we think that's what we're supposed to do. Sometimes that's our, our cross of honor, right? I suffered and I'm all good and I'm by myself. Uh, pot calling the kettle black right here, right? My counselor tells me that all the time. She must, be, she must go home and get drunk every time she finishes counseling me because she must be like, oh my gosh, do you understand, right? I'm the worst person in the world to try to explain this to you, but I'll explain it to you all day long, right? That's why God makes me preach it. He's like, you gotta sit in this because you got to understand this, right? We gotta empty ourselves. We gotta get out of this place of obstinance and stubbornness. I can do it myself, right? I wanna back up to chapter one for one second. Chapter one, verse nine, it says, I pray that your love will overflow more and more, that you will keep on growing in knowledge and understanding. For I want you to understand what really matters so that you may live pure and blameless lives until Christ's return. That the righteous character produced in your life by Jesus Christ will bring forth, bring forth glory. He wants us to sit in understanding and knowledge. He wants us to be an apprentice, right? So the first fold of that is our attitude. Check your attitude. Check it all the time. Sometimes I have to check my attitude 200 times a day, right? That's okay. Then we got to humble ourselves. We got to empty out. That's a hard process. Old girl is not good at that, but I'm still working. I'm a work in progress, right? He's been working on that with me for a long time. That idea of surrender and submission is hard for me. And God's like, but I have to have it. I need in there. And then the third fold of this is apprenticeship. Who wants to be an apprentice of Jesus? I'm in, right? I don't have seen that job listing anywhere, but I'm in. I want to be the apprentice, right? He's saying, I want your level of, of, I want you to overflow with knowledge and understanding because we have to be able to understand who Jesus was in order to understand how to receive from him. I read a quote talking about Paul that was saying, what better place to apprentice than by someone who modeled years of devoted discipline and acquired skills by daily intimate association with the master, right? How often do we go to God and be like, I need a master class. I'm in, right? Now we'll seek that other places. I need a master class on, you know, uh, I don't know, exercise. I need a master class on, um, you know, what, I, I don't know. I'm old. I don't know. Master class on how to, how to use some computer system or how to do something, right? We'll go find the master. We're good at that, especially you guys. New York City people, you're so smart, you're so capable. You'll go right to the expert and you can find them on this island, right? They're smart, capable people running around here. But how often in your life do you say, man, I'm going to the master. I'm gonna go get the master class and apprentice under that, right? That's what Paul's telling them to do. He talks about it as we get into this next little set of verse. He says, in, starting in verse nine there in chapter two, he says, God elevated him to the place of highest honor and gave him a name above all other names. At the name of Jesus, every knee will bow in heaven and earth and under the earth. And every tongue confess that Jesus is Lord to the glory of God the Father. And then he goes on to say, for God is working in you, giving you the desire and the power, and the power to do what pleases him. It says, 
you will live like a shining bright light in a world of crooked people. Hold firmly to the word of life. Where are you going to get your master class? Where are you apprenticing, right? Where are we sitting at the feet of Jesus and saying, teach me? Part of that is church. Part of that is community group. Part of that is study. Part of that is just emptying yourself out, going to sit at the feet of your God and saying, fill it up. Fill it up. Not with an agenda, right? Often we go to the feet of God and say, here's what I'd like you to fill it up with. No, 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 right? Fill it up. What do you have for me, God? What do you want to give me? We have to empty it out. We have to be an apprentice. We have to wash our minds anew, right? So where's our mind focused? Where's our attitude Do you need an attitude adjustment? As we go into this next few months of trying to find out who Jesus is, you have to be able to focus on it. So you have to clear the mechanism. And you have to do that purposefully. I can't do that for you. The person next to you can't do that for you. You have to do it. You have to come to Jesus and say, man, I want what you've got. And I'm going to clear out whatever space I have to clear out. Right? If someone came to you and said, I have a lot of money I need to stack up in your house somewhere, uh, you would be clearing out a space, right? If you just won that lottery. One of you guys, the ticket holder in Maine that won the billion dollar lottery, right? You're clearing out a space for that. God's inheritance is so much bigger than that and we don't clear out a space for it because we always think there's something else that needs to occupy that space. We always think it's impossible to clear it out. We have to die to self. We gotta get out of the I, me, my. It's not about you, you have to empty it. Jesus never said, what about me, right? He was serving. He was humble. He was in that space. And then we have to become an apprentice. And, you know, you guys, we know what that word means. We understand what that means to learn and sit at the feet of God and listen to him. We understand that. None of it will be easy. I didn't say it was going to be easy. None of it will come without suffering. The devil doesn't want you to do this. So you know what I love is when somebody is seeking God and they call me and go, I'm under attack. Yes. Now that sounds counterintuitive, doesn't it? If you're under attack, that's because the devil's like, oh, hell no, I don't want you to get what God has for you. I'm coming in hard to block you. Well, guess what? You have all the tools to push him back. You have all the tools to push him back. You wash yourself in the word of God. You wash yourself at Jesus' feet. You have all the tools to push him back from that, right? This, This journey, we have to think about, it's a call to action. Paul is calling the Philippians to action. And every time I preach, I give you guys something to do. And so some of you are like, I'm not coming anymore because you always tell me I have to do something. We have to lay it down. We have a call to action to lay it down and pick up God's attitude, right? Where is your burden? Where is your burden for what Jesus wants. I've been thinking about that a lot lately. Jesus has been talking to me about, a lot about that, about where's your burden, Marcy? What's weighing on you? You're part of my kingdom and my burden should be your burden. Where is it? Are you paying attention to the burden that I've given you? Not because it's supposed to be some heavy, overwhelming thing, but because I get to be in partnership and apprenticeship with Jesus and I get to go after that burden because I'm part of it. You have a role, you have responsibility. You're not just sitting in here. Right? You don't just come to church for 30 minutes a week or an hour a week and sit and God's got no purpose for you and no role for you. You are divinely chosen to do his work. And he's got these things to, to show us that. Paul's showing us that. As I was thinking about this, I was thinking about this idea of getting our game face on. Right, So depending on where I was in the military, whether I was in combat or whether I was on a humanitarian mission or whether I was doing something with soldiers, my soldiers would tell me, you're getting your game face on, ma'am? 
Like I would, I had to spend time getting myself prepared, right? So if I was in combat and we were going to leave the wire, right? Got to leave the wire. Jesus wants you to leave the wire. The wire is safe. The wire is full of the world. Get out, right? If we were going to leave the wire, I had to get my game face on. And the soldiers knew, leave me alone for a few minutes because I wasn't very nice in that moment, my transitional period, right? Because we're going to go out of what we deem to be safety into something that might not be as safe. But man, that's where the stuff is. That's, where, that's what Jesus has for you outside the wire. You got to get your game face on. I'm going to go out and do Jesus' work. You got to figure out what your game face is, right? You got to figure out what that means. Because the devil needs to see the game face. You're serious and you're coming for the kingdom of God. And you're moving outside the wire and you've got the mindset and attitude of Christ you're humble, you're serving, and you've learned, you've been taught, and now you're coming, right? The devil needs to see that. If I needed to care for soldiers, if I needed to sit in a moment of compassion with them, which didn't happen a lot, I wasn't the most compassionate soldier, but anyway, it was compassionate to them. It wouldn't be to you all. Y'all be like, I don't think I call that compassion, but it was compassion to them. If I needed to sit in compassion with them or in a place with them, then I had to get my game face on for that. That's different. It's a different place, right? It's a different place God's using you if I need to do that, right? If I needed to serve them, if I needed to humble myself and empty out what I needed to make sure that I saw what they needed, how do I serve you? How do I get that attitude, right? We gotta get our game face on. This is a call to action for twofold reason. One, to get yourself as close and as sucked up to Jesus as you can possibly get. Do you know him? Do you know who he is? Does he speak into your life? Does he lead you? Are you reaping all the benefit of that relationship? And are you leaking that out to everyone around you? When people are near you, do they see the attitude of Christ? Do they see the comfort? Do they see the joy? Do they see the mercy and compassion? Do they see the call to action? Do they see the urgency? Paul was in prison and said, this is so urgent, I can't wait. I will write the letter and I will get somebody to carry it. If we, I don't have the map, I should have brought it, but uh, it's a long ways. He had somebody carry this letter thousands of miles to make sure that the Philippians got it because it was urgent and he understood how important it was to be able to get up against the Jesus that he knew. And he wanted to make sure the Philippians didn't miss any of that. And he wanted to sure that anybody that the Philippians were in contact with didn't miss it. What are we doing? What are we feeding our souls with? What are we spending time on? Do you want to know the Jesus that you serve? Do you want to be all in or do you want to be lukewarm? Do you want to just show up, check a box, and go right back out to your life? Or do you want the power and presence of Jesus? to walk alongside you, to be in every interaction, to be in every thought, to be in every circumstance with you. And I will promise you, if you haven't experienced the power of Jesus, it is addictive. And once you allow it to come in, you will chase it and chase it and chase it because there's nothing like it. You won't find what Jesus has for you anywhere else, right? You're not gonna find it anywhere else. The, the Sidewalk Prophets, anybody listen to them? They're so good. They have a song called Jesus, Friend of Sinners. I put that thing in my earphones and turn up really loud to the point where your phone tells you your, the decibels are too loud, right? That gives you like the warning. Warning, I can't hear anyway, so it doesn't matter. I wanna like put a, a 
thing in my phone that says I'm already deaf, stop warning me, right? About, um, I've been blown up too many times, I can't hear anyway, so I have to turn up really loud. But if you'll turn that, that song up, he says this, right? He says, the, the song says, break my heart for what breaks yours. And I just listen to that line over and over and over. Jesus, teach me. Break my heart for what breaks yours. Let me be that close to you that I understand what's breaking your heart, what's important to you. Where would you be spending your time? Who would you be loving on? What would you be saying? It's one of the best songs ever about this idea of who Jesus was and what he did, who he spent time with right? We got a call to action. I'm in. I'm right there with you. If anything that God said today is something you're like, I need help with that. Great. Bring it. I will nerd out with you all day long about how to get your hand in the hand of God. We'll go to town. Everybody in here will. There's so many people in here who will just join right up in that with you. But listen, this city needs you. They need the comfort and love of God. This world needs you. We have a call to action. We can't wait for somebody else to do it. We can't wait for the tide to turn somewhere else. We can't wait until somebody finally shows us what we need to see about Jesus. Go get it yourself, right? We had this um, saying in the army. We'd say, giddy up. You just said that anywhere. and Everybody was like, yep, okay. That means let's go, right? So that's what I'm telling you. I don't think it's a biblical phrase. I don't think you're gonna find it in the Bible. Giddy up. We got work to do. Let's go, right? Let's get in this thing together. Think about if everybody in this room gets sucked up close to Jesus and starts to have the attitude and the mindset of Jesus and takes that out into whatever arena you go into every day, the power of God comes down in ways we can't even understand. Man, I want to see that. I want to be part of that with you all. Jesus wants that for you because he knows that's the only way you're going to live full and abundant lives. And he's so excited about that. Let's pray. God, we're so grateful to be able to have your word. We're so grateful to be able to see your words. We don't have to wonder what you would say about something. It's right there. It's right there in that book. And you're speaking right to each person in this room. Man, I can't believe you love us that much. That you'll just speak right to us individually. That you have purpose and direction for every single one of us. That you love us that much. Lord, I ask that we take this call to action seriously. We join hands, we join hearts with Jesus, and we get moving. We leave the wire. We leave the wire for the unknown love and comfort and, and awe of Jesus Christ. Give us the energy, give us the strength, give us the focus. Bring us to our knees. In awe of you, you are the master. I just can't even believe we get to sit in your presence and you know us by name, and you know every hair on our head, and you love us so much. I just ask that each person in here would feel your presence in a new way. I ask that they would take this call to action directly from you, not from me, that they would hear your voice, that they would know that you're calling them, that you're reaching out to them. All they gotta do is take that one step, they're halfway there. We're already here, we're seeking you, now let's go all in. Let's take the plunge there with each other. Lord, I just ask for the energy for that. I ask for you to give us renewed eyes and ears to see and hear you in a new way that your presence would be tangible to us on a daily basis. 
We're so grateful for everything that you've done for us. I ask for blessing and favor to rain down on the people of this church. I ask for them to see you, to be in awe of your presence in their homes, in their families, in their interactions, in their minds, in their thoughts. What an incredible gift. Lord, break our hearts for what breaks yours. We ask all this in your son's name. Amen.